Hello, I'm Marie Sneiman. Welcome to Calm, Clear and Helpful, a weekly podcast series on taking good care of yourself and others. Introducing you to a wide range of wellness professionals ready to inform and inspire. Today's topic is perimenopause. Address your symptoms in a natural way. My guest is Dr. Fariel Luhar, naturopathic doctor practicing in Dubai and South Africa. Welcome, Fariel. Hi, Maria. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here with you. To our listeners, after our conversation, Fariel will give us her three tips on self-care, and then it will be fun question time. Fariel, what does a naturopathic doctor do? That's a great question. It's one I get quite often. And, you know, the simplest way for me to put it is that a naturopathic doctor is almost like a general practitioner, medical doctor, but we use only natural therapies and natural medicines. And we do have some philosophical differences between naturopathic medicine and what I would call like your mainstream conventional medicine, because when one goes to see a conventionally trained medical doctor, it's largely symptom-based. And typically you'll be offered pharmaceutical drugs um, to be able to deal with those symptoms. The distinction with myself as a naturopathic doctor is that I do try to give my patients relief from their symptoms, of course, but I'm always working hard. I'm always striving to get to the root cause, the underlying issues that are creating the symptoms because symptoms are just messages, right? That the body's sending us to say something's off balance, something's not quite right here. And so we get these aches or pains or rashes or a fever or something goes off with other aspects of our physiology. And it's just like a little wake-up call that the body's sending to say, hey, I think you need to address this. There's something going on here. and Maybe there's something deeper going on. The other fundamental difference is that we look at an individual very holistically. So we treat the whole body, you know, the whole individual comprised of their physical, mental, emotional, genetic, spiritual, environmental factors. And we're always appealing to the body's inherent innate ability to heal itself and to, and to restore healthy physiology. Thank you for that explanation. Now, in your practice, are there any topics that you especially like to focus on? My practice is actually really eclectic, which is great because no two days are the same. And, um, you know, that makes it a little bit more interesting for me. Uh, I tend to see a lot of women. So I would say it's probably more women focused, health issues related to women's health. But I see a lot of individuals with digestive disturbances, autoimmune conditions, pain syndromes, and so on. And you're based in Dubai, but you're also connected to South Africa and Canada, right? Yeah, so I'm actually Canadian trained. I'm from Canada, and that's where I did all my training. And then I practiced there for 10 years. Um, and then just a little personal story, I, I ended up meeting and marrying my husband, who is from Cape Town, South Africa. So I ended up moving to South Africa and setting up a practice in KZN. And then I've also had the opportunity to work in Dubai for a few years. So I tend to split my practice between Dubai and South Africa. But currently, I'm also now working in Saudi Arabia. And you work online as well. 
Yeah, so, um, you know, thanks to COVID, most of my practice ended up shifting organically into the virtual space, which is actually great in many ways because then I'm able to provide the care to many, many more people now that we can work, you know, remotely. But of course, there are still many people who prefer seeing the doctor in person. And, and it does make a difference to have somebody right in front of you. But if I can't, then at least, you know, I can see people from wherever I am. So my current active practices are in South Africa and Dubai and Saudi Arabia. I am not active in Canada at the moment. Thank you. Now, Fariel, today we're shining the spotlight on perimenopause. Do you think there's adequate awareness of this life phase? Well, I'd have to say that there probably isn't enough awareness. And if there is, it is something that seems to be a very taboo topic. Um, you know, it's, it's one of these conversations that even women have difficulty having with other women. It's sort of enshrouded in secrecy and mystery. And that's why I think a podcast like this that we're doing today is, is so important because we need to bring it to the forefront so that women, first of all, understand that what's happening with their bodies during this shift is completely natural, but they don't have to suffer through it. And they can also educate their doctors to say, you know what, I'm feeling moody, I'm feeling irritable, but I don't need an antidepressant. I think it's related to me going through perimenopause. And I'm sure we'll talk more about these kinds of scenarios. And then, of course, for partners and family members and coworkers, it also helps for them to know um, what is perimenopause and, and, you know, how does it affect women both at home and in the workplace? It certainly does. Could you give us a definition of perimenopause? Sure. So I think everyone has probably heard of menopause, right? I'm sure you've heard of menopause, which is um, the time period where a woman basically stops having a menstrual cycle for a consecutive 12 months. So she no longer has a period or menstruation, but it has to have happened for 12 months consecutively before we can officially say that she's in menopause or menopausal. Perimenopause, however, is the period that happens before a woman officially enters menopause. So it's a time period in which women transition from the pre-menopause, so the reproductive years, into the menopause. And, you know, these changes for perimenopause can happen in women between the ages of 40 and 51. However, now we're seeing many more women who are entering perimenopause even earlier by age 37, 38, 39. And, you know, it's, it's one of these transition periods that can easily take anywhere from two to 10 years before a woman actually enters into menopause. So very important to understand, well, what is happening during this transition period because one can get many symptoms and the symptoms affect different women differently. They can be mild, they can be severe and intense due to the, you know, the extreme hormonal fluctuations. Um, and so for many women, the experience can be a lot rockier and a lot more challenging than actually being in menopause itself because there's so many changes happening due to these hormonal fluctuations that affect the physical body, they affect the mental, the emotional aspects. And it's important also to appreciate that perimenopause is, is a time period where when we talk about the reproductive cycle, we'll start to see changes 
especially in a woman's period, it could start to become more erratic. It could start to become more irregular or a woman could end up saying, I have had two periods in one month. But essentially, the periods will start to become shorter and shorter and lighter and lighter. And we then um, get into this phase where I like to say it is sort of the ovaries, you know, taking their final graceful bow away from the reproductive mm. stage of life. I was going to ask you how a woman knows she's entering menopause, but I suppose that my next question, which is what are the most common symptoms women experience in menopause, I suppose that would provide a woman with the knowledge to know that she's entering menopause. So what are the sure. most common symptoms women experience in perimenopause? So I'm going to give you a couple of different scenarios here. I'm, I will discuss a few facts and, and statistics in terms of menopausal symptoms, but I also collected a quotation that uh, comes from many women that I treat, and I just sort of put it together, you know, from a few of these women who complain about the same things. And so here's a woman who says, my body gets somehow hot. I sweat a lot. Then my skin dries up a bit. I feel extremely tired. My energy has decreased a lot compared to the last few years. I feel old and I feel pain in my knees. Okay. This mm -hmm. is a la lady in her mid forties. And this is just one example of what, you know, women are experiencing different symptoms all at the same time. But like I said, it could affect different women differently. So um, when we talk about, you know, some of the most common symptoms, believe it or not, you know, um, we have some statistics here where 85% of women will report weight changes. So oftentimes metabolism slows down. And so we start to gain weight. But because of the hot flashes and the night sweats, women are sleep deprived. Mm -hmm. And so when they're sleep deprived, they're sort of eating late into the night. They also experience anxiety, depression. For 75% of women, joint pain is the most common because, you know, we need to talk about the hormones uh, that are responsible, primarily estrogen and progesterone, and estrogen is, is anti-inflammatory. So there are a number of different symptoms. Like I said, the weight gain is what people or women typically complain about, especially around the abdomen. This is where it mostly distributes. Despite them trying their best to have a good diet and exercising or even over-exercising, they may have changes in their skin. So dry skin or loss of elasticity of the facial skin. A very interesting symptom is itchy skin. The medical term is formication. And uh, many women, you know, will go to a doctor complaining of itchy skin and they will then be sent off to a dermatologist to be given a cream or an ointment for the itchy skin. Not realizing that itchy skin is related to uh, a molecule called histamine in our bodies that tends to be overstimulated during the perimenopause. And uh, this is one of the symptoms. We will also experience reduced collagen in our skin, which means more wrinkles. A lot of women complain about hair fall or dry or thinning hair. And then of course, there are gonna be some gut disturbances. I did speak to you a little bit earlier about the changes in the period, but this is also a time where women might start to experience more ovarian cysts, or they may have uterine fibroids. And then in the sexual realm, 
there's a loss of libido, there's vaginal dryness, vulvar itching, recurrent bladder infections, and even pain with intercourse. And then, of course, mood changes, right? So as I said before, a lot of women experience anxiety and depression. But interestingly, a lot of women also report irritability to the point of rage. I remember I had one patient who said to me, you know, I'm a very even mild-tempered person, I'm quite easygoing, but I now find myself shouting at strangers in the grocery line, you know, so any little mm -hmm. thing tips them off and they get quite um, irritated and even angry. And then a lot of women complain that they used to be able to tolerate quite a bit of alcohol and now they can't anymore. So this is another thing that changes. I'm so glad you describe all these symptoms because it becomes clear that it's not a walk in the park or not necessarily. I suppose some women have it easier than others. But as you said, one needs to be aware because who would ever have thought that itchy skin could be associated with perimenopause? Absolutely. And as I said before, the main culprit for that is this molecule called histamine. It's a chemical that regulates certain physiological functions in the body. You know, it, it, it's regulated by the immune system. But if it's very high, then it can start to cause some suffering um, in these women. And it's not just for itchy skin. You can have what we call histamine intolerance that can cause things like hives or what we also call high estrogenic symptoms, such as uh, very, very intense PMS, headaches and migraines, um, and even digestive disturbances, these can all be caused also by the same histamine. So this is why with naturopathic medicine, you know, we really try to look at what is it that's out of balance. Um, and if the histamine is kind of being upregulated because estrogen and progesterone are fluctuating, then that's what needs to be treated. And you've now again mentioned naturopathic medicine. Regarding perimenopause, the information most women are exposed to relates to mainstream medical approaches. Could you give us your view on approaches like hormone replacement therapy, oral contraceptives, antidepressants and sleep aids? Okay, well, I'll start with the latter because uh, this is what usually is uh, the main challenge when perimenopausal women come into my office because they come in with these specific symptoms. And as I said before, when they go and see their general practitioner, somehow the dots are not being connected. You know, you could have a woman who comes in complaining of anxiety and depression along with a bunch of other symptoms. And the doctor then goes ahead and prescribes an antidepressant. The antidepressant is not the most effective way of dealing with this because the anxiety and depression is coming from or is being triggered by something else. So that's what I mean by, again, going mm -hmm. back to looking at where are all these symptoms coming from? Because when you treat the root cause, then eventually all of these symptoms start to resolve and eventually hopefully disappear. So giving an antidepressant is, is not going to be the most effective aid because you're, one is not an anxious or depressed because they have a deficiency of, of an antidepressant. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, there are also other situations, like I said, with the sleep issues because women have disrupted sleep. They have poor quality sleep, especially when they're experiencing night sweats. I mean, I've had women say to me that 
they wake up multiple times at night and they have to keep changing their pajamas or night garments because they're drenched. So this is disruptive. And if we're not sleeping well, then, you know, we're not able to function properly. And our physiology also starts to go awry. So giving a sleep aid may help with the sleeping, but again, it's not treating where the sleep disruption is coming from. So when we talk about the conventional route, oftentimes, uh, ideally, testing is done and it is determined that, the, yes, there is, in fact, a hormonal imbalance. And two main hormones that are the most significant for women would be estrogen and progesterone. Now, estrogen is a more of a stimulating hormone, whereas progesterone is sort of a zen, very calming and soothing hormone. And they tend to kind of oppose each other in a very beautiful balance. And so if one is off, too high, too low, it's going to upset that balance. So when hormone replacement therapy is suggested, um, this is where women are then prescribed these synthetic hormones, estrogen, progesterone, coming from synthetic sources, in some cases from animal sources, and this is what they're given. However, you know, there are some concerns and some, some challenges around this because if a woman has, for example, a strong family history of breast cancer or other cancers, then she may not be a good candidate for this kind of therapy. So that's something that needs to be discussed with the prescribing doctor uh, because when you're given estrogen, if you've had a history yourself or if you've got a strong family history of estrogen-driven cancers, then this is something that one needs to be extremely cautious about. So the main difference is that these hormones are made in a pharmaceutical environment using sources that are synthetic. And they don't mimic our own hormones, but they do you know, stimulate those receptor sites. And they can be quite helpful. There are many women for whom HRT has done wonders. But like I said, this is a conversation that needs to be had with uh, you know, each woman, with, with their gynecologist or prescribing doctor to ensure that they are a good candidate for this therapy. How about oral contraceptives? So I think, Mariette, we probably need to have a whole other episode just on oral contraceptives. Right. Um, because, uh, you know, truthfully speaking, again, coming from a naturopathic perspective, it's the same thing as HRT. We are giving women synthetic versions of these hormones that may or may not be effective in helping them to balance out their hormones. But remember, this is not actually treating the root cause. So mm -hmm. oral contraceptives, if you think about it, are being given to young women. You know, I have a lot of female patients who are very young who started taking the birth control pill at age 16, 17, 18 because they're getting acne or because their periods were irregular, or perhaps they've been diagnosed with something called polycystic ovarian syndrome, where there may be cysts on the ovaries. And so the idea is that by giving them this oral contraceptive pill, we are then helping to somehow regulate hormones and deal with these issues. But the, the, the problem with this is there are many side effects. You know, there are lots of side effects and lots of uh, adverse effects that can happen. And there are also other post-pill complications. If a woman's been on the birth control pill for a number of years, it can affect her physiology in different ways. So that's why I said it's, it's kind of a conversation we probably need to have 
by itself because there's so many things around oral contraceptive uh, medications that women also need to start asking questions before they they start taking the pill because a lot of them are easily taking birth control pills for for 10 years. Mm. Thank you for that explanation. So I'll get back to perimenopause. You teach women to deal with symptoms in a natural way. Could you tell us more about this? Sure. So when I'm dealing with women who are going through this transition period, as I said, because it affects each woman differently, I will take into consideration how it is affecting a woman that's sitting in front of me specifically, because one woman may have hot flashes, mood disturbances and weight gain, but another woman would be coming in because she has no libido, has vaginal dryness, you know, pain during sex and is getting a lot of headaches, and maybe she's also, you know, just getting this itchy skin. So you can see how there are two different scenarios that are manifesting differently in each woman. And so, of course, the treatment has to be tailored to the woman. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the beauty of naturopathic medicine, is that it's very much customized to the individual and what's happening with them while taking into consideration their medical history, their family history, and also just their lifestyle. How do they live? Who do they live with? What kinds of stresses do they have in their life? And how do they manage them? You know, we look at diet. We look at whether or not they're getting time in nature, if they're getting adequate sun exposure, sensible sun exposure, which is very important, whether or not they're moving enough and getting uh, enough exercise. All of these things are important because when a woman is entering perimenopause and progressing towards menopause, the hormonal shifts also start to affect our cardiovascular system and our um, bones. And so one must also ensure that, for example, conditions like osteoporosis or heart disease, which are preventable, are looked at early on. And so we need to put measures into place to help women ensured that these systems are working well. So when I have women coming to see me for these symptoms and I explain to them that I think that, you know, they're in this transitionary period, I will always do testing first. So, you know, you can't sort of measure or manage uh, progress if you don't know what you started with. And uh, testing always helps. And I use some functional medicine tests where I measure hormones using saliva and urine um, and in some cases, I will use blood to test all of these hormones and also to test other hormones like testosterone, um, DHEA, which is another androgen. I will also test their stress hormones because another thing that can actually affect uh, hormones and put them out of balance is stress levels, as I'm sure you'd agree. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the starting point. And then from there... I will start to help them with lifestyle medicine. There will be some dietary modifications. Um, of course, we, we talk about, you know, specific natural medicines that can help with improving the balance of the hormones. It sounds to me that perimenopause, if a woman is, is having a hard time of it, could open a door if she comes to a person like you yourself to help set her health good health for the rest of her life? Well, I would hope so, because a lot of what I do is preventable, right? So we're trying to avoid future issues, health issues and challenges. 
And, um, you know, we have now the ability to even look at genes. So I can actually do what are certain kinds of epigenetic or DNA tests that help me to see the trajectory that a person could take based on their genetic profile. And if we see that perhaps they inherited certain genes that can make them more susceptible towards, let's say, you know, insulin resistance and diabetes, or even osteoporosis, like I mentioned before, then I can start sooner than later to intervene with natural therapies and medicines to move them away from that trajectory. Because the beautiful thing about epigenetics is that we're looking at genes that can be modified if you modify your lifestyle and your nutrition and the way that you live. You can actually change how that gene is going to manifest itself. So that's you know very exciting. But besides the future uh, health, we also want to help them in the present. We also want to ensure that they're having a good quality of life. Because one of the things that's really important, Mariette, uh, to appreciate also is a lot of these women who come in, you know, they're coming in, generally speaking, I mean, I did say that the general age for perimenopause is somewhere around 40 to about 50 or 51. And that's usually the decade during which a woman is juggling a lot of different things. You know, she's wearing a lot of different hats. She may be a mother to young kids or teenagers or older children going off to university and so on. She could be also dealing with aging parents. Most women in that decade of life are reaching the height of their ambitions career-wise. So they have a lot of responsibilities and um, stresses perhaps related to their careers and to their work environments. You know, there are a lot of different challenges happening at the same time. And so these, these women are juggling a lot. And then they also have all these symptoms that are throwing them off kilter because they're experiencing brain fog or difficulty concentrating or they're too tired or they're not sleeping well. So you can see how this is really a, sort of a perfect storm at this point in life if one does not learn what perimenopause is and start to become aware when they're going through these shifts and start early to manage the shift and to base, basically to gracefully navigate through this transition. Certainly. Do you have a last word on optimizing your health in perimenopause? I think my last words would just be to, again, you know, be aware of all the possible different changes and not to accept when you go and see a doctor and, and present a symptom and the doctor says, no, there's nothing showing up on your tests or, you know, you're fine. It's just in your head or, yeah, here's a medication to help you with your sleep or your itchy rash, you need to see somebody who's well-versed in how this transition is affecting you to be able to get a thorough evaluation and to get an effective treatment plan. But I think most importantly, it's just about balance and ensuring that when you're going into this stage of life that you know, you're still moving, that you're dealing with stress effectively, that you are dealing with the emotions that can come and go during this period of time, um, and that you get help when you need it. If you need the help, ask for it. I think, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, a lot of women shy away from talking about this topic, not just with their doctors and other people, but amongst themselves as well. And I think that the more 
you know, you talk to your friends about this and you would understand and start to appreciate that other women are also experiencing similar things, then I think you can empower you to, to go and get the right treatment. Yeah. And Fariel, you also host a workshop on perimenopause with a colleague, which I've had the pleasure of attending. And I would like you to tell the listeners more about that, please. Yeah, so we had the pleasure of having you on that uh, particular workshop. And it was all about perimenopause so that we could help women to understand what's happening with them. And many women could relate to a lot of the different aspects that we discussed. So we talk about symptoms, we talk about the different statistics, we talk a lot about the key drivers, um, you know, what are the risk factors and key drivers that could affect a woman's transition and their experience of perimenopause. So things like um, other underlying disorders, things like you know, environmental toxins and medications and so on are going to impact a woman's experience. But then we get into some of the actual, you know, therapies and treatments that we can offer women that are all based in natural medicine um, so that they can be aware and then take charge of their own health. I must say what I found so interesting in that workshop was that you would often ask the attendees questions to test what they knew, and that would not be in a way that would put them at a disadvantage. It would just be, you know, a silent question. And I was absolutely shocked to see how much, how little I knew about perimenopause, having gone through it, <laughs> you know. Very interesting. And I must say, yeah. I, I would have had a much easier time of perimenopause if I had been more aware. Absolutely. And that is the main goal. Uh, so let me be clear, we're not trying to normalize that suffering during menopause is how it should be. That's absolutely not what the point of the workshop was. And I hope that you were able to, you know, get that. Oh, yes. The idea was, like you said, to be able to explain, you know, what are these hormonal changes that are happening? I mean, a lot of women don't even understand their own cycles when they're actually menstruating. They're not really taught properly what's happening during uh, one's cycle when you ovulate, then when you have your actual period. So we, we, we actually show pictures and graphs of what happens in a woman's cycle, what the hormonal changes are that take place in these 10 years leading up to the menopause. You know, what are the controllable factors that one can start working on? We do compare the medical options that could be suitable with the alternative and natural therapies that obviously we advocate. And we talk about things like the diet, we talk about things like movement, you know, all these important factors that actually do influence hormonal health. So what we want participants to get at the end of the workshop is to have confidence, not just in the knowledge of what they've learned, but also in their choices moving forward so that they know what kinds of questions they should be asking their doctors. They know what kinds of responses resonate with them and which ones they're not comfortable with. Um, and so it's also about empowering women to appreciate that, yes, you're going through perimenopause and menopause, but it's actually a new beginning. You know, there's lots to look forward to. It's kind of like starting a whole new chapter of your life. And we want women to feel excited about that. 
So I do want to just let everybody know who's listening in that we do hold this workshop about three or four times per year. And uh, we can certainly let you know, Mariette, when the next one will be for those who may be interested to register. Yes. I think what I'll do is I will publish this podcast with podcast notes on my website. And in the podcast notes, I will have the necessary contact details so people can find out when there there will be another one. Also, in connection with this, I was going to ask you, where can listeners learn more about your work? So listeners can find me on social media. The best places would be my website, uh, which I can give you, which is www.drluhar.com. D-R-L-U-H-A-R, Naturo, N-A-T-U-R-O.com. Uh, I'm also on Instagram, so you can find me. My handle is D-R underscore Ferial, F-A-R-Y-A-L underscore Luhar, L-U-H-A-R. Those are probably the best places to engage with me. And I do a lot of Instagram live sessions and webinars and talks. Um, so certainly people can join in and engage with us in that way as well. Yes, I will also attach the link to your website to the podcast and then the other details will be in the podcast notes. Can you also add my email if you don't mind? Can we add the email? Yes, I'll tell you how it works. The podcast goes onto six platforms and there I will attach the link to your website but I will also attach a link to the article with the podcast notes and then people can click on that. So those links will be on all the platforms and then one of them will take them to your website, one of them will take them to the podcast notes where they will have all the other information. Okay, super, yeah, because if they go to the website, my my email address is there and on the Instagram as well, so that's fine. Yes, that would be the easiest route. Although the podcast notes are also very valuable and, of course, they they will be able to see what you look like. We'll have a photograph there. Okay, sounds good. Could you give us your three tips on self-care, please? My three tips on self-care, I think the first would be that it's very important to be selfish. I think as women, when we're wearing so many different hats and we are trying to juggle so many different aspects of life, we tend to put our own needs last. But I'm a strong believer that we need to be selfish in a good way where we put ourselves first because we need to fill our cup first before we can give to others. You know, if you are exhausted, tired, irritable, angry, weepy, um, achy, that is not a place from which you can give positive energy or Mm. um, influence your loved ones in a positive way. So I really think that it's important to be a little bit selfish. Um, So which leads me to the second point, which is to carve out at least 15 to 20 minutes a day If you can carve out more, that's even better. But it has to be a daily practice where you're doing some kind of activity that brings you a sense of joy and calmness at the same time. And ideally, it's an activity that you're doing alone because you need to have that solitude and that time that's just for yourself. And it could be any number of things. It could be listening to music, 
having a nice warm hot like bath with some lovely you know bubble bath it could be sitting in a corner and reading a book it could be any number of things uh, for some people it's painting or drawing for some people it's doing yoga whatever it may be it's individual but it's very important that you carve out that time i mean i have a lot of women who say to me oh no but i do take time out for myself i go and have a massage once a month mm. that's not enough you know yes go for the massages i love massages myself and i think they're wonderful for helping women to to relax however we need to be doing something on a daily level to counteract the daily stresses and then the third thing i think would be when it comes to self care out of all the factors that are the most important i would consider sleep to be very very critical because if we're not sleeping well there's so many different physiological functions and hormonal things that are happening during sleep and if we're not sleeping well then those things are not happening the body's not able to detoxify we're not able to regenerate brain cells and brain neurons so sleep would be something that should be a non-negotiable trying to get to bed at the same time every night and ensuring that you practice what we call good sleep hygiene so sleeping in a very dark room sleeping in a room that's not too warm that's somewhat cool if you need to wear an eye mask to block out any lights and please don't sleep with any digital devices next mm-hmm. to you because they do interfere right so those would be my three tips for self care thank you they are very sensible and now could i ask you a fun question sure shoot One of your special interests Fariel is healthy aging. Now here's my question. Let's pretend we could go to the future. We're going far into the future. If you could imagine a snapshot of yourself taken at 95. What would you be doing while the snapshot is oh taken? Oh my goodness. What a fun and what a great question. I've actually never thought about that. That's so interesting. Um at 95, what would I like to be doing? I would love to be snorkeling in a beautiful <laughs> aquamarine beach somewhere. <laughs> um ideally hopefully with my husband. I would love to be able to just sit and relax and enjoy the sun and have a nice drink or two and in the evening I would love to go dancing. Oh, oh, I love that. And you know the wonderful thing is that that is not unrealistic anymore. <laughs> yeah, sure it isn't. Yeah. And I think that more and more not just with the new technologies and advances that are being made in science we can achieve that, but you know, I think because people are a lot more aware mm. nowadays that you know 60 is the new 50 i mean you can do so many things into later life as long as you take care of yourself now yes and i think the key phrase is as long as you take care of yourself now so on that note thank you very much for sharing your expertise and helping women to take care of themselves now especially if they are navigating perimenopause because Once again I'd just like to say that I have learned so much about it from you and I think clarity brings relief and understanding and it helps one find the necessary help so thank you very much for talking to us about it It's been my absolute pleasure Maria it was really delightful for me to share what I know and how we can help women all over the world and I thank you so much for such a fun episode
Pleasure. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us. I'd love you to subscribe to this podcast series and rate it where you download your podcasts. If this episode inspired you, please share it with someone you care about. Go to my website www.marietsneeman.co.za for this episode's podcast notes and for free articles and podcast episodes on how to live a happier life and have more fulfilling relationships. To follow me on Facebook, just search for Mariette Sneeman, journalist. Calm, Clear and Helpful is compiled, hosted and edited by me with original music by Mart-Marie Sneeman. Catch you next Tuesday at 9.00.